Hello, Carl. Do you have that horn going at the Enterprise Center? Um, let's see. Uh, two times on Saturday. Hopefully a lot more times this weekend. Games Thursday and Saturday. And then they're on the West Coast Swing because there's a whole bunch of concerts coming to town. Aha. Uh-huh. We'll talk to our friend Tom O'Keefe from the Family Arena about all the shows that are coming out there and the history and mystery of American Idol because Ruben and Clay are coming. And then Lynn's going to tell you how to win tickets later on. At minute 32, we will talk Martin Scorsese and Leo DiCaprio's new Killers of the Flower Moon. Around minute 44, the Taylor Swift concert film. I loved it. Around minute 50, Foe on Amazon. Around minute 56, Old Dads on Netflix. And then around one hour and three minutes, the theater roundup. Well, uh, do you have a new song in your repertoire to get the crowd fired up? Uh, It seems that the people like My Own Worst Enemy by Lit. We did something the other night, and there was there's a TikTok about it that is at a million views. So I'm guessing they're going to try to make that a thing. I played the song. They were singing along. So I was listening to I kept it going in my room to see if how long they would get before they petered out. But then Bennington smothered the puck. And so I just brought it back up, and they were perfectly in time. And so everyone is talking about, oh, my gosh, other hockey teams do this, too. Like, no, that's not the thing is we've done sing-alongs. People have been doing sing-alongs for years and decades, and it's not new. The fact that makes this one novel is that they sang in tempo, and then when I brought it back up, they were not very far behind. That is the thing that is different about this than any other time. Aha. Well, Carl, you are very good at what you do. And as the man who played Gloria a gazillion times back in 2019, your lore is established. And another person who's very good at what he does is Tom O'Keefe, who is the, are you the general manager of the family? What is your title? Don't give him a promotion. I am not. No, I am the manager of booking and marketing. Uh-huh. I, but I also but... do some light janitorial duties on the side. <laughs> <laughs> but you are very good at this because you've been doing it quite a long time, including at the pre what Carl uh, Carl's Blues Home will not mention it for you. And <laughs> also, uh, you are a a longtime film critic with us in the St. Louis Film Critics Association and part of your real spoilers podcast which really does spoil movies so it's in uh, the title we, yes. we put it on front street like it there's it, we're not burying the lead like we're i always tell people we're like a book club for movies but with no oprah uh-huh and it's very funny and very entertaining and also you uh proceed me on ktrs on uh, fridays uh you are on the carney show Yes. After I'm on with the ladies, Jen and and uh, Wendy. But so you, you, talk, you cover movie. way more movies than I do. I do like one a week. I just do like whatever the big one is and, and that's it. <laughs> or whatever you've seen. Yeah. I don't get to as many movies as, as Len does. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I kind of started it and now I got to keep it going and it's hard. Yeah, it is. It's all, there's a lot. <laughs> yes. Especially streaming. So yeah. let's get let's get to the reason you are here today is because okay. we're gonna do, we have a theme with concerts because Carl paid money to see the Taylor Swift Eras tour 
uh, concert movie. So we'll talk about that. But why, um, how we have we had you on during the pandemic when things were dicey and you guys were just throwing things out there. And now things have come down and you're back to lots of concerts. Yeah, concerts are definitely back in full swing, just I, nationwide. They're, you know, and I know like with the Taylor Swift tour, I was just reading an industry th industry thing the other day that said this is the first time ever that there have been three tours in the same calendar year that have grossed over a billion dollars. All right, Lynn, can you name them? I can name at least two. I was going to say Beyonce, Taylor Swift, and... And, and the thing that ended at the beginning of the year. Elton John. No. No? Ed Sheeran. Oh, Ed Sheeran. Yeah. And, it, and his is just him and a guitar. Yeah, so he's really making bank. And got to pay anybody else. How come the Elton John thing didn't uh, make it, or because it, it was too stretched out? Maybe my guess is he didn't do enough dates. You know what I mean? And and then these and Beyonce and and uh, and and Taylor and, Swift and, Taylor. Were, and were all stadium tours where Elton John was toggling back and forth between stadiums and uh, an arena. So you know, an arena is going to hold a third of what a stadium would. So like that really obviously jacks up the gross well last time ed sheeran was here he played bush stadium yeah, yeah that was a great show it was him and a guitar but that was two just, albums ago it's just weird to think one guy and a guitar can keep a stadium entertained yes yes, yes. well that was the same period of that unfortunate uh september of uh, 2017 when i was supposed to see you two at the doom and Ed Sheeran was going to be at Enterprise Center and both. Yeah, concerts. but Ed Sheeran came back and did that show. You two yes. did not come back and do Joshua Tree. So when they no. were here for the next one, we didn't get any songs from Joshua Tree because on that tour, they's like, we had, we did that already. But yeah. then they kind of forgot that, oh, yeah, St. Louis didn't get any of that. <laughs> I know, because uh, back uh, when I saw them again, they didn't even play Where the Streets Have No Name. Which well, they is... didn't play anything from Joshua Tree because they didn't deviate from what their tour set list was. Because, yeah. and I, it visually it was fantastic. You you took pictures on your phone and it was 3D over at Enterprise Center. And it was technologically amazing what they did. Well, so speaking... they couldn't deviate anyway. Well, speaking of technology, uh, the Sphere... My sister lives in Vegas and all anybody is talking about in Vegas is the sphere where you two is having a residency. And I did check into those tickets back when they were, um, you know, the super fan presale and they were already 600 to 1400. You need some of that John Hewlett money to go. Oh, wait, John Hewlett went. But then again, John knows people. Yeah. I was going to say there's, but everything is spectacular. So, Tom, at the Family Arena, uh, you guys have done a lot. Because I remember the early days of concerts there. And then, of course, being a Monkees fan, um, I have seen their shows. And then the Turtles, because, because I, that Happy Together tour is just so fun. But the sound quality at your place is really good. Well, thank and you. I'm not we, just 
insane. We try. It's funny. Like every once in a while, like I saw a comment online about how like yesterday there was an article in the paper about us getting upgrades and somebody in the thread was like, their sound system is awful. And I was like, well, no. we don't have a sound system. So it's like, the band sound system, the band sound system, or we ordered specifically the sound system of band one. And the guy's like, wrong. That's not how it works. And I'm like, so I replied and tagged him and I was like, I literally book the bands and I have a pretty good handle on what equipment we have. And surprisingly, Internet Tough Guy has not responded. So, what? uh, but yeah, like the, the sound that you get really in, in any venue of this size is going to be dictated by the artists. You know, like if you go to a club, you know, the pageant or pops, you're typically going to play on the house rig. Um, and both of those venues have solid sound systems. Like I'm not disparaging them in any way, shape or form. Uh, but uh, but when you get to arenas, like we don't bring it, we don't own a house system because every band has such specific requests that if we were to buy a house rig, it would probably sit unused for 80% of our shows because they'd be like, oh, you've got the PK9. We wanted the PK9.5. And then, you know, and so, and then we- And a tour like Kenny Loggins is going to bring his own stuff anyway. Yeah, and the bigger show shows are are packing everything. So, and then also the, the front of house is uh, the soundboard. Sorry, that's jargon. The, the soundboard is run almost always by- the, someone the artist handpicked that travels with them yeah so when when you're saying that like of like a venue doesn't have good sound like you're you're just not right like you're just you not and that's, yeah that's not just us that's pretty much anywhere it's like those bands it's their it's their guy running the sound it's their equipment or equipment they hand selected and and ordered us to bring in so all those decisions volume level all of that is is made entirely by the artist so when people like to complain about a venue sound they are almost invariably wrong <laughs> well you know back in the day when i was a, a young uh, last going to all these concerts we sat on the ground at mississippi river festival and i am sure that that sound wasn't a tenth of what today's you were sound high is. also <laughs> <laughs> and you know i'm just saying if people remember remember well when the beat the famous thing is that the when the beatles played bush stadium in 1966 nobody could hear them well because oh, yeah. it was raining and they were out in the middle of the outfield i can't even just, imagine what concerts must have sounded like back in then. 1966 it just had to be atrocious. I know when I see footage, like I'm a big monkeys fan. I'm wearing a monkeys hoodie right now. And when I see footage of the monkeys live from that era, what always fascinates me is there's video behind them more often than not, especially during their peak run in like 67. And I'm just like the, the technology. It's, it's a big tube. Yeah. Like the technology, I mean, it must've been some sort of projected, projection system but like that technology was in its infancy like there was no like concert tech industry like they were making that up as it as it went along um and so to 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 see a band using video that at that time frame is just kind of mind-blowing well they had liquid paper bunny I just want to compliment you on your headquarters uh, album cover behind you that's signed. 
Yeah, um, that's actually um, a lithograph that they put out in that Rhino put out in like 96, 97, when they when all four of them got back together to record Justice. They made 500 of them and I couldn't afford it at the time. And it popped up on eBay and I and I picked it up for a song because it was I don't know who it was, but they they posted they had never sold anything on eBay before. So they had a zero rating and nobody wanted to bid on it. And so I I threw the minimum bid, which was honestly the exact same amount of money it would have cost me in 1996. And nobody else bid on it. And I got it. And I was like, I was like 50-50 on whether it would even show up in the mail. And, and then I, you gave him a, a thumbs up and now he has a one star review. Yes. Yes, he does. And uh, so I was amazed that it was real and it showed up because I was like, well, I'll just contest it with PayPal and they'll give me my money back. But um, uh, but yeah, so I was very excited to get that because at the time that was about the only way you could get all four to sign anything was that one lithograph. And now when Mike came out of retirement those last 10 years, he got really good about signing stuff. But for, you know, 30, 40 years, I mean, he was he was the one. He yeah, was hold out. To get his signature on something was just practically impossible. So he mellowed. He mellowed before he passed. He did. He made his peace with the legacy of the monkeys. I, you know, he definitely seemed to come to enjoy it in the lap in his final years. Well, it's also because he was so highly regarded as a songwriter right. and received such favorable press that how could you not? Uh, go with it, you know, because it wasn't like, oh, that awful Mike Nesmith, you know what I'm saying? It was yeah. just, and speaking of enduring in the music business, which is right, because you're getting ready to have the Clay Aiken, Ruben Stuttered 20 year together tour, and they've not teamed up, I don't think ever before, then when that, the Idol, back when American Idol was super huge, they would have the tour of all the finalists. Yeah. Not sure when they stopped that, but that was when probably... they stopped making money. Yeah. When they stopped selling, when they stopped selling tickets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a time there when yeah. it well, was no, no, because then like uh, you wouldn't, there were times it, it all depended on who could go on the tour. Cause by then I'm like by season five, Carrie Underwood, was possibly too big to go on that tour. I mean, you still have Daughtry, but you you might not get Carrie Underwood to go on that tour. So you have uh, seven of the top 12. Yeah, I think after season five, they started, when they started having, when the, when the popularity of the contestants started to get really deep and past like the first two, they started to sign them all to like, they, they went yeah. a lot deeper on how much they would lock them up to where it's like, if you were top 10, you were going to do whatever they wanted. Chris, but I think Chris it, Daughtry. Yeah. Like I, yeah, because they, they missed out on Chris Daughtry because I think he, he came in at number four and at the time they only locked in the top three. And so, and they also missed out on Jennifer Hudson. Like it, it was honestly for some of those people, it, it was kind of a gift that they ended up getting kicked off when they did because it got them out you of, wouldn't have an oscar a tony and a grammy right it got them out of a very uh restrictive contract with the american idol camp so like yeah sometimes that was a better option to you know it's like especially in jennifer hudson's case everybody thought she was 
a shoe in for top two. And so when she got booted out like at four, eight. I think, was it eight? Was it that far? It was, it was, yeah. it was no, shocking. I think it was five. I think it was five. I think but, she was it, five. It, it wasn't. It was shocking, and no matter what, yeah, way right. sooner than anyone would have thought. And so after that, they started getting a little bit more aggressive. But then it also started to matter less. Well, I I voted for Ruben that, and that's when I was still voting for American Idol. I voted for Ruben that year because he was solidly consistent the entire year. Clay did a fantastic job in the finals, but I was iffy on him all year. And when he did Bridge Over Troubled Water at the end, that was amazing. But that was that could have been a fluke. Ruben was my guy all year because he was constant. He was excellent every single week. And then Clay just had an amazing finale. And so the velvet, the velvet teddy bear. Well, so. and then everyone's like, "Oh my gosh!" After that final, how how could Clay not win? Well, because Ruben was, if you watched the show, Ruben was steady, and Clay just had a fantastic final night. Right. Well, they both uh, have endured some of them. It's it's funny how some endure, some have gone on to great things and then others. And then it spawns so many other reality shows. Now, The Voice, do we know anybody from The Voice that is a household name? Well, in St. Louis, uh, Kennedy Holmes. That's right. it. That's and that's it. only because she's from here. Right. And was and a Muni kid. And she's still great at the Muni. She was fabulous in Little Shop Horrors this summer as one of the urchins. But, but like Deanna DeGarmo and Grace Young, who are married, they De, Deanna DeGarmo practically lives at stages. Right. And she's a St. Louis Theater Circle winner. But uh, the other guys, I mean, you know, and I'm sure with programming, Tom, how, what, well, besides... Kelly Clarkson and Carrie Underwood. Who else can sell? Fantasia Barino. She does very she's gonna well. Be a, she's going to be in the new uh, Color Purple musical. Yeah, which well, she, she, was, she did on Broadway. She did on Broadway. And if she, if she, when she tours uh, as a, as a headliner, like she normally plays mid-sized arenas, arena sized, like the family arena. Like, I think she played Shafitz last time she was in town. So like, you know, she still news tickets. But um, I think a lot of them have ended up still working in the industry. They might not Theater. necessarily be names, but I definitely think it's they have used it to launch uh, solid careers in the entertainment industry, even if they're not necessarily names. I think you see a lot of them pop up in Broadway casts or touring productions, uh, you know, especially maybe the 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 people that made, you know, top top 10, but not top five or people over these last few seasons where, you know, the last 10 years where it hasn't. The, the like, ABC seasons. Yeah, like it wasn't the cultural juggernaut that it was for five or six years there. And, um, but I think a lot of those people, you know, or, you know, I know that they like to denigrate it or maybe they're doing cruise ship type entertainment, but like, that's a solid living. Like there's... you can make a lot of money. They pay really well. If you ask any comedian, they love getting cruise ship gigs. Yeah. Cause, and, and also, cause you don't have to, a lot of times you don't have to do the whole cruise. They'll fly you into like St. John, a port. You, hop, mm -hmm. you hop on the boat, you do two nights and then you hop off the next port you get on another boat and you do two nights and you know and so it's easy money you don't you only have to write a new routine like once a decade and you know and so there is this kind of uh 
snobbery sometimes about like like what is and isn't successful but i'm just like you know if you're working in the entertainment industry and you don't have a day job you have succeeded yeah hard stop hard stop right i just saw uh, a note i think david cook was at the old rock house yeah so yeah, and they maybe she's getting some flack because one of their recent winners uh uh sam was out busking again because yeah. they didn't take care of the winner yeah, well, in Simon Cowell's day, to be fair, I, I mean, back in the day when we were all watching it and families were gathered and everybody had opinions and we even, in the newspaper I was at, we even did a column, you know, every week on rating people and who was who was going and then... Uh, well, just, Lynn, you wrote something about the person that's on The Voice right now. Uh, Eli Ward, yeah, he's a 21-year-old from Waterloo, Illinois. Channel 5 is following that guy every week. And then um, there is um, a girl, Ruby Lee, from Foley, Missouri, and she has a killer country voice. She did a yodel song that they all, four chairs, just like turn like that. And so Kevin Was it Johnson. Hocus Pocus by Focus? No, it's the. Oh my God. See, I'm so not a country person. You guys uh, would, you, you guys uh, would I, know this. Song. I watched one episode of The Voice by accident this year, and the hip hop guy, all four chairs turned around and he picked Reba because he used to watch that show with his grandma. And he's <laughs> like, I am going with Reba. And John Legend's like, uh, hello, I'm John Legend. I thought we had a kinship. And he's like, nope, I, I'm i going with the person that reminds me of my late grandmother, which I thought was a great story. But as we have just said, who else from The Voice do you know? You know the judges. Oh. I know well, the judges, but I've never right. watched the episode. Well, I watch it when somebody look when somebody says, "Oh, my son's going to be on it or whatever," and then I think, "Oh, I might have a story here, so I'll watch it." But uh, I have, um, you know, after Kennedy Holmes got totally screwed, <laughs> I'm just saying that was like it. You know, I mean, it's a it's a it's a whole business. Uh, I know a theater kid who had this fabulous voice, and he auditioned when the auditions were at the Dome. This is, you know, like 2011. And he was told he didn't have a story because he had happy parents. He had a happy yeah. childhood. He did not it have- It is any... a TV show. They love it... the narratives. Yeah. Yes. And so because he had just kind of this normal, boring life, he was- like Not good he... enough. No, no, yeah. because he didn't have any kind of struggle. And yeah. that's what I think they look for is, like you said, the narrative. It's all about the narrative. So why do you think Clay and Ruben endure and they're doing this tour? And I think according to you, uh, the 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 interview I saw or, or heard on KS, KTRS with them, they're really having a blast being together. Yeah, I think one, they were good friends. They got along really well. Um, and, and, uh, and I think that was part of what made idol work is that for it being a competition, like they didn't seem to turn it into the hunger games. Um, 
uh, at least not front facing. I maybe behind the scenes it got weird, but like, but they seemed there seemed to be a real camaraderie in all the cast in the episode, the seasons I watched. But, um, but I also think that like it this was a very big moment in, in the zeitgeist in a way we don't really have anymore um, because entertainment has become so fractured with streaming and YouTube and TikTok and it you know. Um, you know, you began to see that fragmentation with the, the rise of cable, but I mean, it, it's just, you know, really to the nth degree these days, there's so many different uh, platforms in which to watch a show that there are very few moments that we coalesce around anymore. I, I went down a rabbit hole on 70s era TV that I saw something that kind of blew my mind, but the, the episode of Rhoda the Mary Tyler Moore spinoff yes. where, where Rhoda gets married when it aired was the second highest rated show in the history of television. The only thing that had that it, that beat it was when Lucy had a baby on I love Lucy. And like, it, and it's fascinating to me that like that, I mean, that's an astounding number. And I think anyone under 40 has probably never even heard, heard of that show like our Valerie Harper or Valerie Harper like it's and you know and it's like we you know with our we just don't have moments like that anymore and when we do it's normally around political strife <laughs> or or a Super Bowl that or Super, but I think even Super Bowls I feel like don't have the impact they used to like well no one's going to get mash numbers from 1983 for sure ever. but like the Super Bowl used to be like oh well I'll tune in and watch the commercials well now they're all on YouTube the week before the so week people, before that's stupid yeah so people don't even do that anymore and so it's just like I used to like watch it for to, for the commercials because I don't care about sports but like now I'm just like why i just i'll i'll the next day they'll tell me the five best ones and i'll watch them on youtube and i'll get four hours of my life back you know yeah or you can you can watch 90 percent of them before it's the yeah. ones that they're saving for the day that's what, right and usually they're movie trailers right so i mean it, you know we just don't have moments like like the reuben and clay finale anymore and i kind of miss them I know. I, I remember Ricky Martin showing up on the Grammys and he got that standing O and, and everybody went spaz the next yeah. day. Remember, we don't. Yeah, you're right. We don't we don't have that. We don't have uh, Simon Cowell telling Carrie Underwood that she's going to make more money than any idol ever. But he was right. He was right. right. Yeah. Simon Simon was right and he put together one direction so I rest my case you know because yeah. I yeah, mean but he's yeah. too he's too he's busy doing Britain's Got Talent and America's Got Talent now he doesn't really have anything to do with Idol anymore yeah no he doesn't but he made a lot of money off of it but what I like about the Carrie Underwood trajectory is that those auditions were in St. Louis yeah, she and, she and her mother drove up from Oklahoma. And if you watch her first audition, how just totally innocent yeah. she is. And then look at, you know, look at her today. And it's just, I just always love the journey. You married a people. hockey player. 
I know. But the journey of people to see, and you know, now she's got arenas and a gazillion awards and, and it's just interesting. But I think people just like Clay and Ruben. They're just likable. And, they are. Absolutely. And, and it'll be interesting to see what they uh, say. So what else you got going on at Family Arena? Sure. So um, we have, uh, we have, uh, the first weekend in November, we have Hot Wheels coming, uh, Hot Wheels Monster Truck Live, which is a great, uh, if you're a huge Monster Truck fan, not to talk you out of buying a ticket, this isn't like um, the one down at the Dome, where because the, they have giant footprint to race the tr trucks around, and this is more for, for like the younger set. And, uh, and little kids love it uh, for like seven bucks or seven fifty. You can take them down on the floor, get up close to the trucks, get all your pictures taken. It's a really neat event. And the, the tickets are more, the seven fifty is to access the floor, but the, the kids tickets are 13 bucks and adult tickets start at 28 and the, the kids tickets is for any price level. So, um, uh, but that always does very well for us. We have jingle fest coming up uh, in on December 2nd, which features, Lee Bryce and Randy Hauser and Priscilla Block. And then we have a Christmas event, Cirque Musica Holiday Wonderland, which is a Cirque style Christmas event, uh, which I think will do very well. And of course, on November 25th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving, we have R&B legend Al Green. I think he's got like 58 Grammys or something. The Reverend Al Green. The Reverend Al Green. So um, wow. uh, he hasn't played the market in over 15 years. So wow. You know, like I'm, I'm, not, I'm not calling it a farewell tour, but you know, you gotta wonder how many more bites of that apple you. you now, actually, today is the anniversary of the grits incident. If you're not familiar with the Al Green grits incident, he took home a super fan who went nuts and threw boiled grits on him, and that's how he became a reverend because he's like, I think I need to rethink my life, and he turned to the Lord that way, and that's when he started doing gospel stuff. Interesting. I think he, he might have taken two girls home, but yeah, today is the anniversary of that. Now, Tom, is he going to do hits? Is he going to do Let's Stay Together? Or is he going to do uh, gospel stuff? I think he does a mixture. I think you get a little bit of both. So um, at least that's what I've been led to believe. But obviously, okay. I don't get to pick the set list. <laughs> <laughs> right. You, and you never know. Sometimes setlist.fm, like last night, Les Claypool was in town at the factory. He changed... He did, which is weird. He was with Sean Ono Lennon, who was singing, sounds just like his dad. But they did, the entire middle portion of the show was Animals by Pink Floyd. But the songs before that and after that, he cha Les changes that up every night. So oh, you I'm never know what you're going to get. They just said, someone sent me a video and I said, wow, it sounds like Pink Floyd versus the Beatles. Because when you have that voice singing pigs on a wing yeah it just is weird yeah i didn't even know it was coming i didn't even no. know a friend said are you going to this and i said no it is that sounds very weird and he said it was fantastic interesting well, we really appreciate you coming on and i'm glad if you want to know more about the family arena you can sign up for their email alerts because i do that's the way i know that what's going on at your place and and so a family Dot com. Yes. In beautiful St. Charles. Yes. Right across the river. They, you, It's easy to get to. It's not as far as a lot of people think. They hear St. Charles and they think Winsville. And it's like, we're <laughs> like, we're literally. You're the first the, exit. 
or the first exit where like the river separates us from the amphitheater. So if you could drive to the amphitheater, if you add like three minutes to your journey, you'll be at the family arena. So it's not not so bad. And uh-huh. and get get off at Page anyway. That way's quicker. Yeah, Page Avenue Extension is if you're coming from west or south is a great way to to do that. Well, thanks right, so much Tom. for your time. You. And give us a thumbs up or thumbs down by Killers of the Flower Moon because we'll get I to that. Thumbs up. I thought it was a, a little slow in the front half, a little rushed on the back half. But uh, but overall... Did it need to be three hours and 20 minutes? I mean, there's a lot of story to tell. I will also say that I uh, I felt it was better than the book. I like I thought the book got pretty convoluted in trying to figure out who was who and who was who in relation to who. Because It's easier to tell in the movie. Yeah, there's because a lot. It's of, visual. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to what's going on, and uh, but overall, I enjoyed the movie. I, I, you know, I wish it would have. And I don't know how to do this in real, like staying locked into that time frame. But like the amount of generational wealth that people were robbed of uh, is maddening, especially when oftentimes people will racists will use the poverty level as a way to gin up their own racism, right? Like the, if these people were smarter, quote unquote, they would have more money. And it's like, well, they had money and we stole it from them. Like, and we gave them the worst land we could think of and we ended up being wrong. And then we walked it back and, and, and stole it all back. But then we use phrases like Indian giver, like what now? And, and guardianships that were illegal right it's 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 very frustrating to watch and i i know that they did a major retooling because in the book it's really about the fbi agent um and i know that some of the osage people wish it was even more about the osage and i mean i get why they would have that perspective but i do think that they certainly move the needle in the right direction from the book in terms of like letting you see more about the Osage and how it was affecting them instead of it just being a a story about the FBI agent coming in to save the day. Well, we'll let you go, Tom. Yes. Yes, Thank you. Thank you. But Lynn, uh, Marty wrote that part, the Jesse Plemons part for Leo. So the original draft of it was going to be that story that from the book. And so Jesse Plemons would have been, uh, they would have switched roles and but leo said no no i want to be i want to be the husband i don't want to be the fbi guy and so they retooled it right well i sat in on a virtual press conference with uh marty uh monday and it was very scorsese as we like to yes, say yes. We, we call him marty because yeah. you know lynn hung out with him on monday <laughs> But actually, I remember when I was just getting into college, there was big buzz about this guy, Marty Scorsese, in his student films, and he had this guy, De Niro, and there was getting a lot of buzz. And then Mean Streets, of course, came out while I was in college. And then I remember sitting in the theater watching Taxi Driver and going, oh, my goodness. So I have been a fan ever since and uh i uh enjoy it but it's uh this this uh it's too conference. long it is it is i have a lot of issues with it lynn, and- now hold on a second lynn i want you to say something positive about the movie because a lot of people myself included enjoy it you are in the minority you do not like the movie 
No, I like parts of it. I like a uh, lot as I've been. You're I've still been... in the minority, Lynn. I say it could be. And I got into a discussion with our friend Kate and I said some of the things I thought could be trim. And she said, oh, no, you need that. But there are other. She also believed parts could be trimmed from the movie. Uh, it's some of it's very heavy handed. Right. I think uh, the people that are saying modern masterpiece, I'm like, wait a minute. Well, I know this This is... The this Irishman is, uh, was too long as well. I will say that. I know. there. Uh, as I have digested this movie and gone over things and uh, heard a lot of discussions, I watched CBS Sunday morning, um, trying to... I did not read the book. And so, therefore, I don't have that preconceived notion. Um, it's a horrible story. Of Fascinating, white, though. Fascinating, horrible story. Of white privilege, of uh, men insidious. Uh, the fact that the wealthy Osage had to go and ask white bankers for their money because they were, quote, incompetent, just is so humiliating. And uh, I, I so enjoy Lily Gladstone's performance, and she's going for lead actress I really kind of wish great. she is fabulous. And I I was uh with her in the movie Certain Women uh years ago. I voted for her for supporting actress in the St. Louis Film Critics Awards. But uh, I think uh Diane and Martha and I were like in her corner. Um and apparently that Scorsese saw that movie and thought of that. Um but uh, I like a lot of this movie, but I don't like a lot of it, too, because I know. it's hard to root for anybody. In well, this. no, you're rooting for the indigenous people of Oklahoma. Right. But it's so repetitive about how awful the the white people are. And De Niro's fabulous as the king. As this shady, shady, shady man. Uh, but the Osage love me. No, they they don't. They like it when you treat them semi fairly. Well, he was so awful because he acted like he was their best friend, and he wasn't. And then oh. Leo, uh, I didn't enjoy the bulldog expression the whole movie. But well, and I his teeth, it. his teeth are awful. Yeah, the the twentieth century dentistry. So what I did not like is um, the, uh, well. Okay, so I besides do Lily loved, Gladstone, uh, what did yeah. you like? Uh, well, first of all, the technical elements are are fantastic. The the, the cinematography by by uh, Rodrigo Reto, who also did Barbie. Let's, let's bring that <laughs> wow. up. Wow. Yes. Uh, at first, because uh, Scorsese has an electric eye. When he uh, when he's cooking on all cylinders, his movies look fantastic, and he has that just that vitality, that energy. Um, I did like Robbie Robertson's score. Okay, because... I let me stop you. I heard about Robbie Robertson's score that this was going to be the last thing he did. I didn't notice the music at all, except for the songs that they played from the twenties. They actually played the St. Louis Blues in it, but I did not notice. And sometimes you want that in a movie. You don't want it to overpower. But I didn't notice the music hardly at all, except for the needle drops that they played from the 20s. Well, I think it's because it's organic. That's why you don't notice it, because it's there. 
but it's organic and we just take it along. I think the production design is is wonderful. I think the 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 Oklahoma, the prairie, um, the the uh, I think it's so sprawling with the characters that it is a little difficult to figure out who, okay, Blackie, we got Blackie, and then who is this other guy? And then we have Ernest, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, his evil brother, Byron. And then we have Lily's yeah. sister. I mean, Lily plays Molly. We have Molly's sisters. Now, how are we keeping all these people separate is a task. Yeah. So I think that that is too, but I do think it goes on forever. It does go three hours and 26 minutes. They could have cut out a lot. I know because how long can you see uh, people being horrible to other people for that long? Because uh, you brought up a good point. And I don't want to spoil it, but there's, there's a scene that's so repetitive that you brought up that I agree totally with you. We could have got the gist of that in one or two. One or two, not five. Right. They just keep repeating it over and over. We know he's doing this to her. And if you've read the book, uh, I didn't read the book, but I saw the uh, there was a CBS this morning and there was a 60 minutes piece by about David Grant about his writing because he's a very famous you know author and this and this story has been told before it's in the fbi story with jimmy stewart and this is this is a, one of those stories like the tulsa massacre that needs to be told because we were kind of crappy to a whole bunch of people in the turn of the century yeah it's very it's very disheartening and uh, it's uh, it's another example of um, rich white guys getting their way in the formation of our country. And Tom summed it up perfectly about, uh, you know, we gave them crappy land, uh, oil showed up, they yep. all got rich, and we were like, wait a minute here. How come well, you get the money? Yeah. Uh, Jesse Plemons doesn't show up until the last hour of the movie and so much tragedy has happened in the first two hours of the movie oh no let's say the he shows up in hour three so there's an hour and a half of movie that so he's in a lot of the movie but and then john lithgow and brendan fraser and all these people but and then martin scorsese shows up at the end to kind of put a cap on it that is very heavy-handed as well he he never does that I'm going with the B minus um, with it. And um, I know, I mean, it's so good, but it's not the A plus that many of our colleagues came out and said modern masterpiece. Right. And I, I got to be slow. I think this is a movie that you have to, you have to think about and stew and digest and I'll see it. But uh, people looked at me like I was insane because I well, wasn't going to be on Apple TV plus soon but right. now they want to have it in theaters just like the irishman he did for netflix but then it was eventually on it was in theaters first and then it went to the streaming platform it's I gonna think get this, a zillion nominations i know but i think this is one, just like the irishman this is better watched on a at home you Lynn, can... let's talk about the movie that i saw this week that 
I think was a thousand times better than this movie. And that Taylor is Tay Tay. Oh my gosh, it was so good. So tell me about the experience of watching it in a theater. Okay, Swifties. so I, you said earlier that I paid to see it. I did not. It was at a Y98 private screening, 10 o'clock in the morning, but it, that didn't matter. They were showing it, theater was seeing it, and they showed it every half hour. And so since this was a giveaway and it was it was not packed, but it was people that were fans, but they didn't stand up and dance. They were singing along, but not obnoxiously. I want to say that this movie is a technical masterpiece marvel. You don't see any cameras. Normally when you see like concert footage and you get a close-up of the artist, the next shot is the camera guy backing away in the background. Zero, you don't see any cameras. They Someone said they were probably using 6K cameras and they just zoomed right in. I don't know. I thought it was really well done for the technical technological aspects. They filmed over three nights in Los Angeles. So they're at SoFi Stadium. And it is a marvel of sound and vision. Because if you go to these shows, you can't hear her at all because everyone is screaming. And so you actually get to hear her singing. Her lips look perfect red the entire time. Her hair, on the other hand, you can tell that she's really putting in the work because she's sweating her ass off. And she has 10 costume changes because there are 10 different eras. And so you see uh, someone says, oh, and she's sparkly in every single one. She's not sparkly in the folklore Evermore era. Then she's just in a plain dress because that's the mood of that era. And she hadn't toured. The last tour she was on was the Reputation tour. And so she's had uh, let's see, Lover, Evermore, Folklore, Midnights. She's had five albums out since her last tour. So well, I remember when she was at the Dome. Yeah, I didn't go to that one. I went to the one before that. That was the Reputation. She was the Reputation tour was at the Dome. The one before that, 1989, was at Enterprise Center, and I went to that one. And How was that? that? Was How was she show. live? It was a great show. It was a great show. Um, she actually plays. She. She's doing like 44 songs, but for the the movie is um, two hours and 40 minutes. So they cut out like five songs. Because Some it says them, 40 songs out of 17 years. Right. So it's it's a good representation. I would have liked there were some songs that I wish that she would have played. And some of those songs she does. She Every night she does two secret songs like. Yeah, like we were talking before, she changes them up. This this one was our song, and, but one of the songs that she, that she does do uh, as a secret song, she didn't do while she was in Los Angeles, so they didn't do that one. So because uh -huh. I wanted to hear mine, but they but she plays it is a lot of hits, a lot, a lot, a lot of hits, and I'm gonna say I knew ninety percent of them. But if you're a Taylor Swift fan, you're gonna know one hundred percent of them. Swifties. Uh, no, there's some. I remember when she was this gangly girl getting notice at the country. Musical. Yeah, but she didn't even do Tim McGraw. I thought she'd do Tim McGraw and she didn't do it. Well, uh, she's come a long way from that gangly girl. I really like the documentary on her Miss Americana. 
Uh, no. That's Disney Plus? Uh, or Netflix? She's got one on Disney Netflix. Plus and she's got one on Netflix. Yeah. So I imagine Era's tour will come to screen, but it has broken all records. Well, no, and... it, it, it's the number two biggest uh, October release after Joker. It's the number one concert film. Yeah, Joker did more because that was pre-pandemic. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I look forward to it. And uh, I think there are worse things to do in life than than be a Swifty and appreciate a wholesome type girl uh, that we are fascinated by her love life. And I do think SNL was really smart. And it came about at the last one. I thought it was planned. It was all like they called up and said, hey, we're in town. Can we stop by? And well, they, her, they made it official. Friend, right. Ice Spice was the musical guest. And they're like, uh, but they didn't want, they didn't overdo it. No, they didn't overdo it. And they also didn't show up at the end, but they did show up the, the, but it was a perfect way to make them official, official because right. of all the rumors. And then the NFL skit that was playing, that was just brilliant to add him. And he was yeah. down for it because, well, you know, you know he, what, Nor that makes me think that that sketch didn't have an ending. And then they fought, they wedging him in actually gave it an ending. Right. It's a brilliant skit. It's so fun with the, with the, uh, you know, that, so I just think that that was brilliant because they are media savvy people and it worked out and it boosted SNL and Pete Davidson was really good. I think it was a very smart move to have him do the cold open because mm -hmm. his dad, Scott Davidson was a firefighter killed on nine 11. If you saw yeah. his stand-up special on Netflix, it's uh, Scott Michael Davidson, and he wants to get his dad's initials on his shoulder, but he doesn't want that. He doesn't want Scott Michael Davidson's initials on his shoulder because of what people would think it means. Mm. And Lynn, if you don't know, I'm not going to explain it to you. No, I guess it's one of those things I have to look up myself. No, it, no don't, don't. That's Okay. All right, Lynn, we were talking about streaming. Let's move over to Amazon Prime, where Saoirse Ronan is in a new movie on Amazon Prime. Which uh, Saoirse and uh, Paul Mescal are the two it actors from Ireland these days. And I was so But they're playing forward. Americans. I know. I was so looking forward to those two being together. And I was so disappointed. Uh, on many levels but the fact is you read the book foe i did it's i did not fo. i right. did not and i uh midway i gave up i was like oh my god reading the book okay and the thing is the book is also something to be deciphered this one i thought i had i thought I knew what was going to happen, and I thought I knew exactly when it happened, but then even the movie tricks you. Um, so we have this married couple in this uh, post-apocalyptic uh, dystopia, and scorched her. They, they're sending people to space to uh, see if it's inhabitable for people, and you go up for two years. And this couple, uh, one of them gets picked. And they said, don't worry, we're going to send an AI so your partner doesn't get lonely, lonely. So they send him up to space and they send this replica that looks exactly like him to her. 
And then there's also Aaron Pierre, who works for the company, not the government, but the company that runs the space station. And he injects himself into their lives. Uh, I don't want to... If you see this movie on Amazon and you're not familiar with the book by uh, Ian Reed, I don't think anything I could say or not say would be spoilery enough except for the big reveal because it's hard to follow. It is hard to follow. I felt both of them were miscast. Uh, there's there's just, this is one long slog. I thought I thought it was airless. I thought it just, uh, you, I, I, I just did not care at all. Uh, once it got going and I, uh, there was a lot of questions in my head. And then I was like, I'm Did done. I explain them to you afterwards sufficiently? You did. You did really well about the book. Very well. And you brought up a but really But I can only tell you these the things end. after you saw the movie. So right. you shouldn't and have to do homework. You shouldn't have to do homework to enjoy a film. No, and we can't really spoil it for people. So you have to you're on your own here to, if you watch it. And uh we'll we'll you can come to us and ask and we'll tell you. But <laughs> I just felt it was just a misfire. And it's written by the guy that wrote I'm Thinking of Ending Things, and I really enjoyed that film, although it was a uh interesting well all, i i think the book is a better explainer of that movie too i thought charlie kaufman uh did a disservice to the original material and uh who who directed this one i can't remember garth um, davis okay garth davis because we have the other guy doing creator they came out well, at the same garth time davis did the mary magdalene movie and he also did the series with elizabeth moss top of the lake okay and he so did lion So it's hit or miss, but it's weird because it's in the future, but yet they have this grounded like life in like they're on a farm and they live in an old farmhouse and she works as a waitress and he is in a chicken processing factory. Oh, that's gross. It is gross and it's just weird. And they're by themselves and uh they're very the the his midwestern flat american accent is so noticeable how hard he tried to yeah. nail that farmer guy that swills beer and it's just like it's not working paul yeah. and i hate well, to say that because he's such a good actor and she's marvelous they've both been oscar nominated and they don't take advantage of their strengths that's why i think it's miscast i think they could have put other people in there and give them better material somewhere else. And I will love watching them together. But this Lynn, is did just... you did you go see Old Dads, which is now on Netflix? I did see it. And I now am uh, really mixed messages here. Because well, I, I like I like Bill Burr and I knew exactly what that movie was going to be. And I didn't think you would care for it. No. Because I do like his humor. I do like that he's so unapologetic about being a Neanderthal male. And there's something to be said about doubling down on that. 
but the film doesn't work, especially. Um, Take the money and run. Yeah, it just it it just um, is. I didn't. Uh, I was laughing at first, and then I wasn't because it tackles the woke way of life in America, and he does make some really good points. But then it just. But dissolves. is it funny? Yeah, then it just becomes repetitive and off the rails and just digging into being, you know, I'm Tarzan, you Jane. Is he a good he, director, though? It's very heavy handed. He wrote, I, directed and stars in this. I know. And he does make some good points. But, but overall... I think it's a misfire, uh, not as bad as Mark Wahlberg and Kevin Hart in that fatherhood movie. That what what was that movie that was so bad? I don't remember. I blocked it out of my mind. It's guys coming to terms with their being uh, their, old. They're yeah, being old dads. Their time is up. I get that they're loving fathers. But they are not fitting into the 21st century and they are not being sensitive. And it's it's pretty much mocking all the different ways um, we're trying to be more evolved as humans. And, and um, I don't think that's a thing. I think this works better as a stand-up routine. Okay. And as a film. All right. Well, I, I love the fact that he's branching out. So I, and I like Bill Burr. So I, you know, maybe he'll do something better. And you know what? And if you ask Bill Burr uh, and told him what you thought of his movie, he doesn't care. He doesn't. He's going to make a ton of money. And he's, um, He's he's just an old white guy that likes talking about sex. Yay! And uh, I, I, he, um, yeah. Now the women in it try hard, but doesn't make a mark. What I did like is the workplace. They have a new AG boss come in named Aspen. Yeah. And he's very much in the new uh, management style that us old people, us boomers, bristle at. But somebody calls him, okay, boomer. But then he says, Gen X. So I'm even wrong ah, there. That's funny. Yeah, See, Bobby like Cannavale and uh, Bokeem Woodbine are the other two guys. And they're the other not two old dads. They're not likable at all. And I'm just sad that they're not likable. Oh. Well, Lynn, there are other things going on. Um, you wanted to talk about... Um, there was something... Oh, you wanted to mention what's going on at the Fox and Saturday Night Live. Uh, Nate, I don't know how to say his name. We're going to learn it on Saturday Night Live. But it, I know. It's Bergazzi? Regards? I'm not sure. I don't. I I've seen this guy's stuff. I just call him Nate. I never have heard his name said, and that's making me seem really old. But you know what? I was talking to like three other people, and they didn't know how to pronounce his name either. 
Well, he was supposed no. to be in town next week, but he's so hosting Saturday Night Live. So they had three shows at the Fox that they have to reschedule. I know. I don't know about contracts, but uh, they just announced him. And I had to look him up. I'm like, oh, another host I have to look up. Look up. I'm so old. And then he's known as the nice guy of stand-up. Yeah, I've seen his stuff. I just didn't know how to pronounce his name. He's funny. Yeah, so he so his shows at the Fox are being switched to June. Yeah, next year. So, so but, yeah. Well, this week, Bad Bunny is hosting, and then Nate comes Nate with Foo Fighters. Yep. So they're back. I don't understand how in the SAG after strike they get to come back. They get to, they're under a separate contract. And as long as the hosts don't talk about, aren't plugging anything that is coming up, which is why Pete Davidson wasn't plugging. They made fun of Bupkis. They didn't, he didn't really plug it. And then Bad Bunny is a musical artist and Nate is a comedian. So they're not, if they were going to go on and plug like Leonardo DiCaprio or Robert De Niro coming on to promote Flower Moon, that would be uh, scabbing. That would be right. breaking the SAG after a strike. So you, Pete Davidson's actually very good in dumb money. That you notice how they didn't talk about that at all? No, because they can't. But I'm just saying I'm just saying that 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 is now streaming. I'm I'm happy to say that Barbie is out on video, uh de on demand, but it has been expensive. So the fact that it's on DVD. And Blu-ray this week means that uh, those prices will go down, but it's also going to be on HBO probably max. mid to late, or max, probably mid to late November. Right. Because they if, keep if, teasing it that it's going to be on there. Right. So, but the uh, DVD has six new scenes, or six huh. little featurettes, six little okay. featurettes. So that should be interesting, but I like that they did. I'm just Pete as the, as the, uh, I, just exactly like the, I'm just Ken and mark right. my words, Ryan Gosling will be nominated for best supporting actor because he is and fantastic song. as Ken. Ken and we'll see what of the three Barbie songs get nominated, but don't you think I'm just Ken's going to get nominated either that or the Dua Lipa song. Dua Lipa's right. song was a bigger hit, but I'm just Ken uh, is more in line with the movie. Right. Now, all right, there Lynn, are... um, go. Can you give us a quick theater roundup? Oh, yes. We have so much. Okay. Twisted Melodies, Last Weekend at the Rep, the story of uh, Danny Hathaway from Donnie Hathaway from St. Louis and his talent and his torment with mental health. Go see it at Coca. We have the last weekend for Saturday Night Fever. Drew Mizell is fantastic as Tony Monero. And, and, and uh, we have um, Dr. Ride's American Beach House the last weekend. My Take 10 with La, uh, with Liza Burkmeyer is on my website. So you want to dive into a local playwright who's doing very well in New York. She's teaching playwriting at WashU this semester and she finished her first novel. So pay Yay. attention to Liza Burkmeyer. We also have a 
fabulous production of The Lion in Winter at the Midnight Company. Uh, Joe Hanrahan and three of the best actors in town, Joel Moses, John Walbers, and Ryan Lawson-Maskey, plus the Grand Dame or the Grand Dame of St. Louis actresses, LaVon Byers as Eleanor of Aquitaine. That is at the dot Zach. Do yourself a favor, go see that. What else am I missing? Oh, Mind Game starts at Albion and there's- See you in a minute still going on? Yes, see you in a minute. I'm going to see that this weekend. Contraband Theater at the Chapel. Uh, We have uh, The Immigrant at New Jewish. And what else am I missing, Carl? Bitter Fruit at Upstream. Yes. So go Uh, see Don't forget Beetlejuice. And Beetlejuice wraps up. This weekend, Carl and I had a delightful time talking with Abe Goldfarb. And Carl, I have to put that picture up on Instagram. Do it. I forgot to do that. So Tina's, Tina's opening up, and that's not opening up till the 14th of November. The Muni will announce its season November 1st, and Carl and I will be there and bring I'll all the interesting things to you. Oh, before I forget, we are giving away at Pop Life STL two tickets to Clay and Ruben at the Family Yay. Arena. So we will have it on my Facebook page, on the Pop Life STL Facebook page. We will put it out there on the website and this weekend. And so uh, that concert is October 27th at the Family Arena. And we've got two tickets to give away. Your tickets will be at Will Call if you win. So Carl, where where can we we find you? you? Oh, well, I was going to let ladies go first, but I'll go. You can find me Monday through Friday on the Mark Cox Morning Show on 97.1. FM Talk. I'm also on KMOX's Second Amendment Radio and The Great Outdoors, also on 97.1. And you can find me on Instagram, Threads, Twitter, and and now I'm featured on TikTok, at underscore Carl the Intern. On TikTok, I'm on Jeremy Boyer, the organist for the blues. I just looked it up. We have 1.1 million views, so I'm viral. Yay me. All right, Lynn, where are you? <laughs> I am you? on KTRS every Friday with Jennifer and Wendy at 11.08 after the news. And I'm in Webster Kirkwood Times. And I have uh, the website Pop Life STL. And Carl, we get to talk about movies and plays and all sorts of things every th- every week on our really? podcast here. Also, the guy uh, uh, Sifu, Nicholas Alsop from O'Fallon, Illinois, is still on Survivor. Oh, wow. Good so for him. Four, so tonight is week four, so he might, uh, who knows what's going to happen to Tribal Council, but he's still there. Because the other the other two uh, uh, tribes have way more drama than his. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. So everybody enjoy uh, go, Let's Go Blues, and uh, we will be back next week with uh, lots of fun things to talk about. Let's hope so. All right. Bye. Bye.